Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful season of Advent. We join the angels in singing, glory in the highest. And Father, we do thank you for all blessings flow from you. Lord, as we gather here and we sing these songs and we pray these prayers, as we read from your word, God, teach us, instruct us in the most inward parts and transform us in the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray all these things. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you're excited, aren't you? It's a great time of year, isn't it? Lots to look forward to this next week. Certainly here at Christ Church, as Pastor Barry has laid out for us. And then I know in your homes as well with your families. Lots of exciting times. You know, I really, really enjoy this time of year, increasingly so as I get older. One of the things that I enjoy most, one of the elements that's my favorite at Christmas is the music. I love the music. And, and just yesterday, I had 12 hours of Christmas music listening as I drove my family from Memphis, Tennessee to Pittsburgh, PA. We're here. We're here. And as we were driving, I was reflecting, and I was thinking about the songs that are familiar to us, songs that we sing at Christmas. We say, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And we say, joy to the world. And we say, Gloria in excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest. We say all these things, right? But here's the thing that came to me as I was considering the songs and enjoying them. There's a disconnect often between the songs that we sing and the way that we actually feel. There's a disconnect, isn't there? Maybe you feel that disconnect even now. In light of singing these songs, you're kind of dreading the next week, perhaps. There are some who are, for a multitude of reasons. But it can be that there's actually this way that, that things don't quite feel like it's the most wonderful time of the year or joy to the world. You could say this. You could say that often our Christmas experience isn't that much like a Hallmark movie. In a Hallmark movie, everyone has perfect teeth. There's always a happy ending. Everyone falls in love, right? For us, often Christmas time feels like one step forward, two steps back. Here's what I would call it. I would call this struggling Christmas faith. Some of us feel this way this time of year. We have struggling Christmas faith. There's a poem I came across recently by Auden that I think encapsulates this. I want to read it. It's a few stanzas. Follow with me here. I think this, this encompasses this idea of struggling faith quite well here at Christmas time. Listen. Well, so that is it. 
This is the aftermath of Christmas. Now we must dismantle the tree, putting the decorations back into their cardboard boxes. Some have got broken. And carrying them to the attic, the holly and the mistletoe must be taken down and burnt. And the children get ready for school. There are enough leftovers to do, warmed up for the rest of the week. Not that we have much appetite, having drunk such a lot, stayed up so late, attempted quite unsuccessfully to love all of our relatives, and in general, grossly overestimated our powers. Once again, as in previous years, we have seen the actual vision and failed to do more than entertain it as an agreeable possibility. Once again, we have sent him away, begging, though to remain, his disobedient servant, the promising child who cannot keep his word for long. Wow, that's depressing, isn't it? (laughs) But it might resonate as being true also. I mean, you hear these parts here? Do Do you ever feel like a child who cannot keep his word for long? Do you, did some of these words that, that I've read, do they stand out to you feeling unsuccessful at Christmas time as you attempt to love your family? Having overestimated just how joyous the holiday would be, finding yourself to be disobedient, falling into the wrong kind of habits and choices. Do, do you feel like this? I like this line. As in previous years, we have seen the actual vision. That's we gather here together to celebrate. The actual vision and failed. Let me ask you a question. What threatens your faith this Christmas season? What threatens your faith? Do you have struggling faith this Christmas season? Do you have unrealistic expectations about what this holiday week, this holiday season is going to entail? Are, are you struggling because of family relationships? Perhaps you're just struggling with the very essence of this Advent season, faith in Jesus Christ. I can't imagine in a room this large with this many people, there aren't some who are struggling and wrestling with faith. Well, listen, if you are one of these people who finds yourself with struggling Christmas faith, I want to remind you of this. Christmas is the time when we celebrate the coming of the one who is the very bedrock, foundation of our faith. We all know that Jesus is the reason for the season. But I believe there is a deeper understanding of what Christmas, what Advent means as we look at the scriptures. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the scriptures, and we are going to look to Abraham to truly understand the essence and the power of Advent and the coming of the Messiah. So, you heard Barry, Pastor Barry read to you from the book of Matthew chapter one. Pastor Barry did a really good job reading all those names, didn't he? We gave him a pretty tough task there. Look at that, you got a round of applause, Pastor Barry. And there he read to you the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is like, for you modern listeners, this is like the Ancestry.com for Jesus. (laughs) You like that one. (laughs) Look at at verse 1 of Matthew 1, just for a moment. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
In order to really truly understand the work of Jesus Christ, I would suggest to you that we have to understand Abraham. So here's what we're going to do this morning. On an Advent Sunday, we are going to go to the Old Testament. And we're going to go to the book of Genesis. So if you turn with me now to Genesis 15, we're going to look here at this passage in the life of Abram, before he was Abraham, and we're going to see what insight we might have into faith, especially for those who might be struggling with faith in this season. Turn with me there now, Genesis 15, and as you do, put your finger in your Bible in Genesis 15, because I'm going to really quickly just read a couple verses for Genesis 12. We have them on the screen. You can see them behind me. Here's what Genesis 12 says. You need to have this background information to truly appreciate what Genesis 15 says. God says to Abram, he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the promise that Abram receives from God. Wow. All the peoples on earth, all the inhabitants of the earth will be blessed through you, God tells Abram. Well, as we get into verse uh, chapter 15, we can see that this promise, in Abram's view, is unfulfilled. So pick up with me in verse 1 here as we look at the life of Abram and what this tells us about this Christmas season. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 15, Genesis. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Oh, we have to pause here because something very important just cropped up on the screen, just popped up in your Bible. And it's this, for the very first time, in scriptures, we see the phrase, the word of the Lord came. Lord of word, the, the word of the Lord came to Abram. This, apply, this appears dozens of times in the scriptures subsequent to this time. This is the very first time that we see it arrive and appear in the scriptures. And it's an important moment. Abram needed this word from the Lord. He needed to hear from God. He was in a bad place. You can imagine in light of this great, grand promise that he had received from God, that he was perhaps struggling with doubt. In fact, I would suggest, as we read on in this chapter, you're going to see that he undoubtedly had doubt. He was filled with doubt. You know what he needed to do? He needed to get out of his own head. He get out of his own head. And so what does God do? He sends the word of the Lord to him. Well, let me tell you something. If you have doubts this morning, you too can get out of your own head because the word of the Lord arrived, it came, and it never left. We have access, unprecedented access in this world to the word of the Lord, do we not? And so if you are filled with doubt, if you have questions, if you're wondering where God is, listen, you can find him. His promises are recorded in the Holy Scriptures. The word of the Lord came, and it never left. Amen? Let's keep reading here. Verse 2. Listen to what Abram says to God. Abram said, Sovereign Lord, 
what can you give me? Can you imagine saying that to God? Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children. What a complaint. You have given me no children, God, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Abraham's complaining against God. He's filled with doubt, this great promise given to him that he would bless all nations, that he would have descendants, and he has no children, and he's old. And then the word of the Lord once again came to him. Verse 4, this man will not be your heir, not this servant, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Wow. How about that? Abraham believed the Lord. Regardless of the fact that he was old, approaching his 90s, regardless of the fact that he had this great promise that somehow, despite his old age, he was going to bless all nations. In light of his doubt, what does Abraham do? He trusts God. He believes in the Lord. He chose to believe God. Let me show you a quote that comes from a modern writer. He writes this about, about our doubt. He says, our ancestors acknowledged doubt while practicing faith. We moderns, us, we are drawn to faith while practicing doubt. Those who've come before us in the faith, they practiced faith. We contemporaries, what are we doing? We're practicing doubt. Some of you see this in your own children. Perhaps you see it in the lives of your grandchildren. You're seeing that more and more people are doubting God. They need more evidence. They don't feel him. They wonder where he is in this world where there's so much trouble. Well, listen, the promises of God sometimes seem slow to us, but they are not slow. They will be fulfilled. God is a God who keeps his promises. And Abram needed that reminder. You may need that reminder today. Your children may need that reminder. Your grandchildren may need that reminder. And listen, here's what Abram models for us. Doubt sets up a decision. Doubt actually sets up a decision. We don't need to be fearful of doubt. Doubt can actually strengthen our faith. If you find yourself in a place you're dying today, you're not alone. Let me tell you, there were several years ago where I experienced a season of doubt in my faith. I had these questions. I mean, here I was, someone serving in the ministry, and I was feeling a sense of doubt even as I would drive home from the church. Well, one day it came to me that I needed to rise up in my spirit, even in my car where I was, and say, God, I trust you. Yes, I have questions. Yes, I'm unsure of certain things in this life. But God, ultimately, I trust you. Doubt sets up a decision. If you have your doubts, that's not something to be afraid of. It actually gives you an opportunity to trust God, and that's what we see Abram do here. Isn't it wonderful? Let's keep on going with the scriptures. Verse set, we pick up in verse uh, uh, 7. Genesis 15. 
God also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and to possess, to possess it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged them in halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Now, this is a very strange thing, isn't it? So Abraham hears these promises, and he says, well, how do I know, God? How do I know that these things will actually be fulfilled? And God has him cut some animals in half. Now, Abram knew exactly what this was about. Because in ancient times, this was a practice. Have you ever heard of blood brothers? Remember that when you were kids? You know, if you make a promise with someone, a pact with someone, you cut your finger, the other guy cuts his finger, and you rub it together. Remember that, blood brothers? By the way, where are the parents when the kids are doing things like this? (laughs) This is dangerous. Well, this is a little bit like blood brothers. This is a way, in ancient times, that they signed a contract. You know, you go to a car dealership, and you fill out some paperwork, and you sign your name on it wimpy. In the ancient times, what they did was they cut some animals in pieces as a way of signing a contract. We know this from history. Here's how it would work. They cut the animals in two. The people who were present for the contract would walk between the pieces. And when they would walk through, they were signifying something very important. They were signifying this, that if I don't keep my end of the bargain... May my fate be the same as these animals. This is serious business. We know that kings practiced this with servants and lesser kings. They would make a contract with one another. And when they had cut the animals in two, they'd walk through as a way of them saying, I'm going to keep my word. And if I don't, I deserve to die. That's what's happening here. Sometimes kings would do this with with lesser kings or servants, and they would have the servant walk through, but they wouldn't walk through. In other words, saying, if you don't keep your end of the bargain, may this be your fate. Do you see? So this seems strange to us, but to Abram, this wasn't so strange. He knew what was happening. Here's what was happening. It's called cutting a covenant. They were cutting a covenant There was a contract agreement about to be signed. Are you with me? Let's keep on going because it gets better. Now, in verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. Wow. So here we have the cutting of a covenant, and something very mysterious and very profound takes place. First of all, you have the smoking pot and this torch. What's that all about? Well, think about this. If you remember in the book of Exodus, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt, how were they accompanied? They were accompanied by day by the pillar of the cloud, and at night, They were accompanied by the pillar of the fire, right? Well, this is essentially a mini version of that. Here you have a smoking pot. 
like the pillar of the cloud, and you have a torch, much like the pillar of the fire, and, there are, and it's walking through. This is symbolic of the presence of God, just as he was with the people in Egypt. Here you have God, present in this moment, represented by this smoking pot and this flaming torch. And what do they do? They pass through the pieces. Now notice something. Does Abram pass through the pieces? He doesn't. Only the flaming pot, the the smoking pot and the flaming torch pass through the pieces. What's going on here? What does this mean? Here's what God is saying. God is saying, I'm putting my name on the line here, and I will pass through these pieces. And Abram, if I don't fulfill my end of the bargain, well, then may it be on me. You don't have to walk through the pieces. I'll go through the pieces. Put it all on me, is what God says. You have doubts, Abram? Fine. I'm cutting a covenant with you. I'm cutting a deal with you, and I will pass through the pieces. Well, what does this point to? It points to the work of Jesus Christ. Because what has God done through Christ? He has said, put it all on me. You can't pay any of it. Put it all on me. All the sin, all the brokenness, put it on me. My body will be broken through my son. I will suffer the sacrifice so that you can have life. I make this covenant with you today in his blood. Do you see it? It's Jesus. In the book of Genesis, here's God laying out the gospel for us. That Jesus Christ would come and be the atoning sacrifice. His body broken so that God could fulfill his promise to Abraham. And we can be his children, his descendants. Is it not incredible? Even in Genesis 15. We see God laying out the work of Christmas, of Advent, right here before us. Not only has God cut a deal with Abram, though, God has cut a deal for you. Listen to what it says in Ephesians. Sorry, Galatians chapter 3. I want to read to you a few verses here. Galatians 3. I'm going to read to you 7, 8, and 9. You're going to see 8 in the screens here. It says, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. That's what we just read. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is the message of Christmas. So today, we have uh, lit another candle among our Advent candles here. Of course, Advent means arrival or coming. Today we lit the candle of joy. Some of you would love to experience the joy of Christmas this year, wouldn't you? You'd love for your children to experience it, your grandchildren, your family. And listen, you're gonna participate in all sorts of festive gatherings. The relatives are gonna be present. You're going to have all sorts of expectations, some of which will leave you feeling unfulfilled. None of those things are ultimately going to bring the joy of the season. You want to know how to get the joy of the season? Here's how you get it. God has cut a deal for you 
through Jesus Christ. He's cut a deal for you. And how do you respond to that deal? Do you become blood brothers? Is that how we do it? Do you respond by, by cutting up animals and sacrificing them? Thank goodness, no. That is not the way. Here is what we do. We can actually express it in a Christmas song. We say, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come into me. Come, Jesus. Live in me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and clean me. Uphold my end of the bargain because I can't do it. This is the response of Christmas. And so I put before you, what will you do with this Jesus? You want Christmas joy? You find yourself struggling in faith. Nothing else will satisfy only him, only Christ. And the good news is this. God has cut a deal for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are astounded by the power and the magnitude of your word. We are astounded by the magnitude of the gospel of Jesus Christ that didn't just begin in Bethlehem, but that existed from the foundations of the world, before the foundations of the world. Lord, even as you made a covenant with Abram, you were pointing to your work in Jesus Christ and what you would do through him, how you would take it all on your shoulders. Father, thank you that you have cut a deal for us. And all we need to do, Father, is to turn to you. We could even turn to you in the words of a song and say, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come into my life. Come, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that Jesus truly is God with us. May that give us peace this Christmas season. Now, if any of you sitting in your seats there are anxious, if you have doubts, if you're coming into this place carrying doubts or anxious thoughts about your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren, I encourage you even now, in this moment, to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, come. Come, Emmanuel. Thank you, God, that you've cut a deal for us. Thank you, you've cut a deal for me through Jesus. God, I pray you would strengthen our faith this Christmas season. And I pray, Father, that because of Jesus, we would have true and lasting joy in him. Oh, Father, we love you. We're grateful. And Lord, because of what you've done, it truly is the most wonderful time of the year. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen.